It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily... Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision. Every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. The podcast if you love exploring the British countryside. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the editor of the magazine. This episode I head over the Cambrian Mountains into Ceredigion in West Wales to the remote abbey called Strata Florida. Here I helped out at an archaeological dig alongside archaeologist Gemma Besant and historian David Austin from the Strata Florida Trust. They set up an archaeology school on the site this year. It turned out to be one of the best days in the countryside I've ever had. Here's how I got on. I've just spent the night in the village of Pontrudvendigaid, um, which is harder to spell than it is to say. But it's a beautiful little village. I'd never heard of it before. It has two pubs where you, where you can stay. One called the Red Line, one called the Black Line. So it's a battle of lines. You want to be lion, lion in a lion. Um, and lovely little terrace cottages all the way down the high street. I think there's one shop here. And a post office, brilliant. Well, one shop is the post office. Uh, so today I'm off to Strata Florida Abbey. And I'm going to be learning about archaeology and why we need more archaeologists. And I might even be doing a bit of digging, hopefully finding some treasure. And um, these are drove up across Wales last night um, over the Cambrian Mountains, the most wonderful, beautiful drive on a glorious July, early July evening, and uh, passing through towns like Tregaron, um, which are, you sort of find, Llandavri, 
sort of old farming towns. Tregaron still has its market. And it's really uh, the towns of... This is definitely the heart of Welsh-speaking Wales, or one of the hearts of Welsh-speaking Wales. One interesting thing is um, across the village you can hear the screams of swift jackdaws, but occasionally the whistles of um, red kites. I can see one now. Two, in fact, over the town, calling to each other. Swifts. So this is the heart of red kite country. There we go, Swifts. They're only here for another month. Which is um, very mean of them, I think, to disappear so quickly. Absolutely fantastic. They're like a little tiny anchor in the sky, but wow, they are incredibly manoeuvre acrobatic, manoeuvrable. I love watching them skim over the tops of the roofs. There's a little pack of four just screaming together. And they come zooming over the pub. Oh, there's a, a peacock butterfly. It's only quarter to nine. And a bee buzzes around me. Um, just watching. It's a blue sky with these very high, wispy clouds. It's going to be a really hot day. So the sun cream's on. But I've arrived at Strata Florida, which is a ruin in, um, in a lovely valley surrounded by wooded hills and some slightly more stark hills to the, to the east, um, which are more the Cambrian Mountains. So the setting is absolutely beautiful. It's a glorious sunny day. Um, I'm standing beside quite a modern cemetery surrounded by wooded hills. So I can see some of the ruins from the churchyard. And it's uh, swifts over the ruins. There's a existing arch, a surviving arch. But beyond that, I can't see what else there is. Um, and we're going to be digging there later. See if we can find some medieval treasures. There's the black cap. Yeah, sheep on the hills, oak trees, mountains, little gushing rivers, medieval ruins. This is deepest Wales. Before I leave the churchyard, I just discovered there's a very small tomb, uh, headstone to a sort of Welsh bard, Isgarn. Uh, I think I've found it. Just a tiny little thing. Yes, here it is. Isgarn, um, who was a shepherd poet in the 19th century and early 20th. Was a sort of community poet, which Wales is famous for. And it's a very modest headstone, tiny really, eight inches tall, and it just has the letters I-S-C-A-R-N, Isgarn. So Isgarn was the pseudonym of Richard Davis, a shepherd who spent his entire life in the community in which he was born, the remote lonely mountain area between Strata Florida and the small market town of Tregaron. He was one of the Beth Gwalad, 
rural poets who wrote poetry mainly about their community, strongly influenced by their environment, including nature and the people. He competed prolifically at the Estedfothai, um, and frequent winner, both locally and nationally. Uh, so he had no formal learning, but was a famed poet. How very typically rural Welsh. Can you see those garden sheds? Oh, yeah. a major archaeological site in that field. Underneath that field is, is full of Cistercian buildings. And then there's mines on the top of the hill and farms off. So we've been doing all, a research project here for like 20 years now. Really. All so, part of the Cistercian Empire, not right, Empire, yeah. the kind of holdings here. Yeah, had, and yeah. then it turned into a farm. And obviously the farmhouse and the farm were built on top of more Cistercian stuff. Yeah. And so when we started to develop this building here... Is this part of the Cadu's no, responsibility? This is, this is part private. Of the Strata Florida Trusts. The Strata Florida Trust acquired the farm and the building mm-hmm. um, to develop it into a heritage centre and, and etc. Yeah. So there's a commercial development going on here and a research project at the same time, and I'm involved in both, as is David. Yeah. So this barn is probably I don't know 17th or 18th century or even okay. 19th century, but they built it on top of the ruins of. Of the of the buildings. wow yeah. okay, how many Cistercians would have lived on this oh, that's complex? That's a million dollar question. Oh. Well, we found out recently that um, thirty monks came here to establish the site, and they were living down the road while they were building the abbey. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a big community. And when, when was it? When, when was it sort of heyday? Um, well, it was it was begun in the twelfth century, so the twelfth thirteenth century was mm-hmm. its heyday, but then it kind of suffered. Kind of contractions after that. Okay. Yeah. The interesting site inside um, the yard. We're going to have a look at that. It's a Cistercian aqueduct, and of course they're famous for their water systems. They're oh really? Cistern, okay. yeah, yeah, Cistercians. Yeah. That's where that. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, that's interesting. So what they would do is yeah. they lay out a whole kind of um, water system. You know, fresh water in and yeah. foul water drains out. Clever. And we found the main kind of water supply, which is a big sort of stone-lined channel, mm. and it's full of 13th-century ceramics. And at the end of the 13th century, interesting things were happening in Wales. Um, so, we think in terms of politically, yeah, politically, the Edwardian yeah, Edward yeah. the First came and kind of laid waste to much of this area of Wales. So we think that was a period of contraction that something bad happened here, basically. And then mm. they thought, well, we can't use this thing anymore. We need to fill it in with rubbish, right. and that's what that. So you've got a layer of interesting things to we find. Have yeah. indeed, yeah. Awesome. And then this morning they've just found this, um, can you see the paving here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, just, just trying, literally here? Yeah, literally here. Underneath um, a sort of, was this tarmac or something? Or well, this or is just kind of, oh. well, I don't know, several hundred years of accumulation of agricultural yard, I guess. Right, <laughs> okay. Literally hot off the press, we've got some archaeology happening. Oh, brilliant. And you're, you're an archaeologist? By, I am by an archaeologist, yeah, yeah. I've worked at... Um, University of Wales with David on the research project since mm-hmm. 1999 really. Yeah. And what's the important, I mean obviously it's an important historical centre and yeah. sheds a lot of light on Welsh history but it, it's, it, there are lots of places like that, why, why here, is it because oh, yeah. there's the opportunity? Yeah, David will be the best to fill yeah. you in on this but yeah. it is a key kind of central political and cultural centre for, for Welsh politics for, you mm. know, over 800 years really. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. the, the Welsh... Yeah. So this was much more populated in the distant past than it was than it is today, well, really. Yeah, imagine. I mean, come and have a look in this field because mm. this is quite interesting. This is a whole other story. 
But this would have been a kind of busy place for several hundred years. It would yeah. have been an industrial processing centre. So this, this field, we won't go in, but we call it the earthwork field because it's full of lumps and bumps. Uh, yeah, and these are man-made uh, lumps and bumps. Yeah, they are. Yeah. This well, flat area behind made. where the sheep are, I mean, most of the back end of that field would have been um, um, an infirmary, so a medieval hospital. Okay. And that would have been a whole complex on itself. It would have had, um, you know, dormitories and chapels and kitchens. So this would have been full of buildings in here. And then over in the corner, right in the far corner, we've unearthed... Um, the remains of a forge mill so that was pounding rock to extract lead and that, those types of really metals. the monks are doing that yes yeah the monks are doing very that. high tech then well yeah i mean yeah. To, yeah yeah it's quite I suppose and they had very the, industrial you know they had the manpower woman power to, they did to, because uh, you'd have a, a monastic community here but yeah. they would be serviced the whole of this valley would have been farms and production centres. They've been mm. like tanning hides and kind of farming animals and gardening and producing yeah. ceramics. And so they had lots of people working for them. They basically. did. They were they been... the lay brothers or something? Was that just, or is it just ordinary sort of peasant folk? Well, the lay brothers, yeah, certainly. But yeah. I mean, invisible then, you would have what you would call, the, you know, euphemistically termed peasants. Yeah. And they're their families and you know mm. their farms and. And they're all alive. feeding into into this. Exactly, yeah. and and the village at the end was established, um, Bont as we call it, Pontryd Vendigaid. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I was getting to The bridge at the Blessed Ford, that was established in the 12th century to form a dormitory of people to service this enormous monastery. So it would have been wow. a busy place, it would have been, there would have been smoke bellowing out of there and noise and mills and, you know, um, farms. Chainsaws. Chainsaws, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the guy who does the um, he he does the sort of maintenance of the Cadu site, and he's right. also the grave digger as well. I see. So he's always here doing mowing grass and, yeah, and doing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. You're you're opening up the archaeology to, yes. to to creating a school for archaeologists. That's right. Is that the, that, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that, that's right. Well, as I say, we we've been digging here summer excavations with students since 2004 full time, and we now know there's a huge asset here. One of the things we know is there's 126 acres of monastery here. Yeah. At that size, it is the largest in the United Kingdom that we know of, okay, there may be others. And we've been able to attract now major research resources, which is employing, employing Gemma to do all of this. But as part of the uh, development of a centre here for Welsh history, Welsh culture and so on, we are uh, going to have to create sustainable businesses mm -hmm. and one of the things that we clearly want to do building on this asset and our experience here is to create summer schools summer pro teaching programs and so on which center on the archaeology the techniques and skills of archaeology and one of the things we want to be engaged in it's going to take us two or three years to get geared up for all of this is actually using the site as a m means of taking people who've got an interest in archaeology or want to have a career in archaeology and training them up with the field skills skills yeah and that's the essence of what we're beginning here uh, this summer and that's we will and we what we will be do what we are doing um, it's all a bit experimental this year because it's the first year of doing it this way mm -hmm. um, is uh, really uh, catering on a very broad spectrum for a lot of people who are interested in archaeology and we're very keen in particular uh, to widen access to people who might find it difficult. We're working for example with Breaking Ground Heritage uh, who are 
skilled in dealing with veterans, their problems and disabilities. But that will also give us a capability in, in, in the longer term, by next year I'm hoping, uh, to deal with people who have um, learning difficulties, people who have um, emotional problems, people who are uh, under social care, for example. And the, I think the big thing for us about the site is that Stradiflora historically has always had hum, huge meaning for Welsh culture and Welsh history. Um, and at 126 acres, it was clearly designed to be the Westminster Abbey of Wales, which it came to be known as. Mm. People think that's because there are princes buried here, and there indeed there are. Uh, but I think it's really because they, the, the Welsh patron, the man called Lord Fries of De Hebath, Prince of South West Wales, he really wanted to establish a Welsh state in counterbalance to the English state. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he needed a Westminster Abbey, because Westminster Abbey in the early Middle Ages uh, was in fact the bureaucracy of the state, the English state. Um, People like Beckett, for example, being great chancellors, uh, Mm. uh, uh, that's how it all worked. So he was was following that model. And that was 13th century? This was 12th 12th century, century, yeah. The Abbey was first established in 1164, but the Lotteries re-establishes in 1184 on this side, he moves Mm. it. Uh, with the Cistercians, and this place becomes uh, where one of the things that they do, for example, is start to collect together all the oral traditions of poetry, history, mm. law, which have been kind of out there, um, and then drawing together and producing them as manuscripts, and actually creating the literature, the baseline for the literature of Wales. First history of Wales in Welsh is yeah. written here. Uh, we feel, we think that the Mabinogi, the, the, the great early stories of, of this kind of weird and wonderful world of the Celtic, yeah. twi- Celtic twilight, um, that that actually was all drawn together here, the four branches were written here. We certainly know that it was a patron of poetry and there are several manuscripts which we know actually written in the scriptorium here. And this so tradition... The Bardic. Kind oh, it's of, a, yeah. a Bardic tradition. Yeah. But it, it's, I'm really it, interested in that. Says, well, the like. Bardic tradition is fantastic. The, Lord, the, 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 the abbots themselves in the later Middle Ages, and they may well have been in the early Middle Ages, for all we know, but the documentation is unclear, were patrons. In other words, we have, um, from people like Gitthor Glynn, for example, uh, praise poetry. Mm. for the abbots and, and yes, so on. Yes, that's right. I suppose yeah. if they pay for you. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is already yeah. rather hugely exaggerated. Yeah, you know, yeah. you'd think that they'd they, built a, a cathedral here. Yeah. Um, but, well, it is almost a cathedral. Uh, but we, we now know that in selecting this site, they selected a site which is probably deeply meaningful uh, and had been a religious site at least since the 6th century and maybe even earlier than that. One of the things I said, one of the things I'd like to do is to take you up to the top of the valley here because that sacredness is all about the water that flows through this yeah, landscape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I love that, that, that sense of connection it, to the landscape oh, is, and, and yeah, the importance well, of these the resources are sacred. Yeah. No, I think so. And yeah. also, of course, the Cistercians were well known for healing. Mm. Gemma has actually, I think she's found the, uh, I think she's found it as well. The infirmary. Oh, you mentioned of, the infirmary of, over, 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 over there. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we are doing, and we've got a very large Arts and Humanities Research Council grant for this, we're looking at what we call sacred landscapes, is a way in which monasteries in particular 
uh, are embedded in landscapes that are already sacred. They're not, in a sense, just chance arrivals mm. anywhere in the landscape. That these landscapes have been meaningful for, for a long time. So up the valley here, which is where I'd like to take you, um, is the source of the Avon Glathrude, which is a river that runs mm. down through here. And the Cistercians, when they arrived, manipulated that water. They diverted it uh, so that they could clear the whole of this bottom part of the valley here for the monastery. But they also tapped the water uh, and brought it in. And this summer, we will be, uh, Gemma will be excavating the aqueduct, which she found over the winter, uh, which runs underneath the Baby in here. Um, and so it's bringing, bringing water straight from the stream. Straight bringing, bringing water through a series of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, of conduits uh, and open channels and the survivors of the open channels up there and ponds mm. and the water is used for a whole variety of different purposes but the key thing from our point of view is that the top reservoir which is managing that water the key thing for us I think about the water is that it is fed at the top one of the, one of the sources of water up there is a holy well mm. and the water in a sense then all the water that comes through here is holy water and they use, part of it is diverted into the centre of the church itself, quite unique, well not uniquely for Britain so far, but we found one other example in Brittany, where there's a holy well in front of the high altar of the church, in other words, the right at the centre of the right of the church is holy water, yeah. and holy water which is regarded as essential of life, uh, but also has huge healing properties and powers. Mm. And we think that they created a whole rite around that. And the point about that holy well is that that was there and created before the Cistercians came. And they Let's go completely off tack. Yeah. Is it possible to do a little bit of... Digging, digging yes. Yeah. Digging, digging sounds. Digging yeah. on, that would be amazing. Yeah. I think it would be very nice for me. I've never done it. And Not from the, um, it's a bit like a building site. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> What, what if you came for a dig here what would you expect okay to? let me go and grab some equipment we'll yeah. go in and we'll okay. do some digging and then we'll we will we'll find. find stuff so oh okay brilliant yeah. hang on that so we can get in and out okay, okay. so i'm heading so down yeah, into a pit in. with Gemma. squeeze but we will find things great so you are stood inside a medieval an 800 year old cistercian drain <laughs> <laughs> or 800 year old cistercian water supply yeah system a system yeah exactly um these are your tools of your trade. Right, so there's a little sort of rhombus-shaped, diamond-shaped trowel and yeah. a shovel. And a shovel. And what we're aiming to do is all of this rubble in front of us is inside these two walls. It's inside this kind of So this has all been put in the drain? Or it has. fallen in the drain or been... We think it's been deliberately backfilled and we can date it by finding bits of... So it's two feet, three feet high, four feet high. No, three yeah. feet high, yeah. Actually. Well, actually, the top of the drain has, has been lost. Where we excavated it inside the Beatty when they were developing there, it comes up, mm. meets almost um, together, the two side walls, and then there are big slabs along the top. So the top of this has been chopped off, probably by agricultural activity. Um, what we want to do is we want to... Can you see behind? You can see the layers... Yeah. There's like a dark layer here of charcoal. Mm. So these represent different backfilling events. So what we do as archaeologists is we dig those layers off systematically. I see. And the things that we find in each, each of the layers, we can try and date them. And then we can work out what happened when, backwards in time. So what we're going to do is we're just going to give this a scrape. We're going to take this top layer off. Okay. Okay. So what we do basically is 
we get underneath these um these bigger rocks is that uh, and all, all of these can come up here. yeah literally yeah. think of it as a sort of three to four inch thick layer that's going to go all the way back there okay so this rubbish chuck it in there now this layer we know from this little pit that we've already dug is absolutely chock-a-block full of ceramics bits and bobs from pots and jugs and, and from what 19th century or no, later from the 13th century oh, okay so proper medieval bits proper of... medieval bits of fabric, what we call a domestic assembly this one here well, every, yeah, every, take that fire or yeah what would happen is um people would be cooking or cleaning you know, perhaps in the refectory, they'd be feeding a lot of people two or three times a day, and they'd make a big rubbish pile called a midden. Yeah. So any bits of broken pot, bits of bone from dinners and food, would go into this big pile. And that, of course, is ideal for manuring fields, mm. for, you know, um, you've got to get rid of that rubbish. And we think that's what's happened. If they used part of that rubbish tip to fill this in when they no longer needed it. So... And of course, because it's such a lovely sunny day today, it's quite difficult to see different colours of bits of ceramic. Yeah, so what you're looking for are orange-coloured... Um, sort of clay pots. Or yeah, pots. clay pots. Yeah, exactly that. So you're literally digging into medieval history You here. are literally digging into medieval history. Okay. Um, we, we expect to find oh, so an enormous amount of... So ceramic material this summer. What's this here? Oh, there you go. Is that it's fired material because it's kind of clayy. Yeah. It's got that kind of orange colour to it. It's probably a piece of brick. It's very, very, very soft and it's yeah. just going to fall Take apart. Yeah, it out and see what... Mm. Sometimes you have to... You can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. Is the oh, really? So it's not <laughs> quite as gentle as it looks on sort of time team? It and... depends what you're digging. If we're, mm. we're, we're digging basically medieval rubble, so we mm. can... Can be a bit bolder. We can be more, yeah, appropriate to, okay. to what we're digging. So there's a little bit of sort of medieval okay, brick. Okay, what, what we do when we get something that we want to keep is we put it into our finds tray. Yeah. So just drop that in there. Um, so people this summer will have a, an opportunity to find material right there. So we found mm. bone and coins and bits of other ceramics. So they could all, anything could have been thrown into this trench. Absolutely anything, yeah. 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 Bit of bone there, look. Yeah. Fragment of bone. Animal bone, I'm presuming. It's probably animal bone, yeah. yeah. Probably from someone's dinner, I guess. Yeah, just chucked in there. Oh, finds. Here's some we found earlier. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I'm glad you've got some. <laughs> got the gold coin there. Yeah. Um, some fantastic finds here, but I'm going to get this out because any opportunity to. Yeah. So these are. These are the sorts of things we would expect to find here, but these are the special things that we have found over the years. Yeah. Um, for instance, we know that Strata Florida was a centre for diplomats, people were coming and going all the time, um, but also on pilgrimage, and it was oh. kind of a medieval tourism. People would go from abbey to abbey all over northern Europe and come here, and... Um, they would purchase this kind of item. It's a shell. So it's, it's a, like, is that the Santiago type shell? It yeah? is, exactly, yeah. It's yeah. The, the Santiago de Compostela, but they would... It's um. Oh, like, a, like, you put, like you get those little coins at 
tourist coins at sites. That's exactly okay. right. There's exactly the same kind of industry. What's that made from? Is it's that lead. If lead. you hold it, you can feel how heavy oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a bit of weight in it. It's got lovely design underneath. Like yeah. a sort of heraldic. A heraldic design. But yeah, part of the tourist industry and that would be part of their um, proof of pil pilgrimage. Um, but also other special finds. Yeah, the gold coin. It's a massive gold coin. It's a massive gold coin. Um, what date was this, David? 14th century. Uh, 14, 1434. Um, it's a, a gold noble. Can I touch it? Yeah, please do. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, Value it's 13 and 4 pence. So it's a How much it's a is that worth today? <laughs> it's a ship. Is it a ship? It's a ship, isn't it fantastic? That is so beautiful. And yeah. it's got it's a knight or a king. Is it king on yeah, a ship? It's got a ship on one side. Yeah, with a with a guy with a, a shield and a sword. Yeah, that's right. And then it's oh, fantastic. Where did you find that? We found in, that in not far from here in the gatehouse excavation. That is just that's ex treasure of the abbey. Exactly what you'd want to find. On exactly. <laughs> this is what we this is what we want people to come and dig yeah. up this summer. That would yeah. be fantastic. I mean, that's a really special. Yeah. You don't find many of those, but um, oh. they are here. Um, yeah. yeah. The, Pottery, this ceramics yeah. are the normal thing that you find. Okay, that's medieval pottery. And oh, a lot right. of tiles. Oh, yes, it's got a glaze on it. Yeah. yeah. And that's lovely. That's oh, yeah, that's got a kind of lead glaze. Mm. Yeah. So, big so very of distinctive that. if you found that, you'd know that that was. Exactly. What's it like on the. Burnt. Yeah, burnt, exactly. But it's very characteristically orange a lot of the times. So it's mm. quite easy so to find. So that's what we're looking for, right. Exactly. And then um, ceramicists will be able to date that based on its form and the, the, mm. the inclusions in the fabric and then they will be able to tell you what whether that was a bowl or a jug or mm. a floor tile like this yeah. um, the abbey was tiled all the buildings of the abbey were tiled throughout with really very fancy design. yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a sort of floral kind of pattern or something oh no that's yeah a number of different patterns they were geometric but yeah. some of them had um the famous tile here with a person standing with a, a mirror and then a dog sat next to them so very yeah. you know interesting things to look for <laughs> That is the greatest find that's ever come from. <laughs> oh, this wow. was a found in the 19th century. This is a head. You take it. That's a head of a monk. All right. It's executed. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> and it is likely to be the head of Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, who is who was one of the great founding fathers of the Cistercian movement. And um, it is um, a world-recognized artifact. I think it is the only sculptured depiction of St. Bernard. Oh, is it really? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. So there's a potential for all sorts of wonderful things to be uncovered. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, amazing. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's the thrill of archaeology for it the is. amateur particularly. You don't know what, from second to second, you don't know what you're going to do. No, 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 no. There's all that invisible story here as well, because some of the deposits down here are waterlogged, and that will preserve other elements of the site so um kind of charred grains seeds and that kind of thing so mm. we can take samples take them back to our labs at, at Lamperty university and look at the kind of um diet that people were eating mm. you know looking at um reconstructing <coughs> pollen profiles so what the the region what kind of um herbaceous shrubs were growing in the region that kind of thing so looking at the agrarian economy by taking bags of water or deposits and stuff that wouldn't be preserved elsewhere exactly yeah, yeah really Quite wow. exciting. 
So that to us is just as exciting, almost, as one of those. Tells more of the yeah, story, yeah. I suppose. Well, so in yeah. fact, probably yeah. more exciting. Yeah, yeah. we can get more, more of the actual history. I'd quite like to find a gold coin. That would be good. Who would too? I've yes. never found one of those. The gleam of gold. The bloody 14-year-old boy turns up on site on the first day. Did he? Did he? Oh, 14-year-old volunteer. A long time ago now, and he's since was inspired to go and do a degree in archaeology, and he's graduating this summer from Exeter. So oh, that's, well, that's a, nice a good. Story. That's a great yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> so, then why wouldn't you be inspired after? Well, exactly. Yeah. And of course, your method of digging depends on what you're doing. So we yeah. do have. We've had. Um, Machine digging here while we've been developing bigger areas. We don't need to steal or save these. <laughs> we can't have yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 contaminate our layers. <laughs> Fairly delicate layers like this we'll do by hand, but then bigger mm. areas we'll clean off by machine. Um, or we might be shoveling areas off. So you're, the way that you do things depends on what you're doing. So people say, oh, you must be very patient being an archaeologist who's scraping away. Actually, yeah. I'm very impatient. <laughs> we like to get things Let's get so moving, that we yeah. can find out what's happening. Yeah. So we don't use a brush very often. You see people with little paint brushes oh, and yeah, things. Yeah. We, we don't do that a lot on this site because that's more to do if you're digging up quite delicate things like burials or very early hominid sites. You'd be very careful with mosaics, that kind of thing. Whereas this kind of archaeology is a little bit, you can be a little bit rougher. Can mm. we take some of this away? Yes, please. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Thank you. So that's just a taster of the day I had. And there is much more to talk about. So look out for another podcast from Strata Florida later in the year. And if you'd like to join David and Gemma on site and help uncover the secrets of the Cistercians, it's open to all. You can email info at strataflorida.trust.org to find out about the various courses, day digs and weekends away that you can have there. And you may find treasure yourself. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and you can find out lots more about the British countryside at our website countryfile.com. And don't forget that we also have a multi-award winning print magazine available at the bigger news agents and most supermarkets. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye for now.